Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Great guest for you all today on the Neighborhood Watch, John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News here with us to discuss all things Pac-12, conference realignment, TV contracts, how the heck we ended up talking about TV contracts, uh, all of those things. But first of all, John, appreciate you coming on the show. Love your work. Used to work at SiriusXM with the good folks over there. Uh, Guy Haberman, uh, Evan Moore, Mike Mayer. So, you know, f- familiar with you before the realignment stuff happened and then I guess once, you know, one summer day, Texas and OU go to the Big 12 and we're off for the races. I mean, I think that's the inflection point, right? That's the moment where kind of everything changed for all of us uh, in the media with, with kind of what we were covering. Yeah, it's certainly been different uh, the last two years and out West, especially the last, the last year. You know, uh, realignment used to happen in the shadows, in the, in the, you know, back channel communications and smoke filled rooms, so to speak. But uh, yeah, since that Texas and Oklahoma thing, it's been very, very out in the open. And the Pac-12 situation has been unprecedented in the public nature and and also combined with the the time spent on on the on the issue. But uh, and, and, you know, it's going to happen again, uh, maybe in the end of the decade, maybe later than that. But uh, it, it's uh, it's a constant in college sports. So I'm not sure. Are you a soccer fan at all? I'm a fan of international soccer. Right. But I, so I assume you're familiar with, you know, how the, you know, the Premier League <clears throat> works and there's a Champions League. One. I mean, do you think we're heading towards a like Champions League, a Premier League, if you will, where it's just going to be take your number 20, 24 of those top teams playing each other? I mean, because it feels like, you know, if we're taking Texas, we're taking Oklahoma, we're talking about these top brands. That's really all we're concerned about. Do you think that's where it's headed? Or do you think there is still going to be room for, you know, the Oregon States, the TCUs in, in whatever, you know, you talk about the next 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, or they just going to be shut out and we're going we to do the Premier League thing, basically. Yeah, I think that uh, depends on the time frame, you know, uh, probably the next 10, 20 years. I think there's going to be uh, eventually some kind of bifurcation, but I don't know that the TCUs and Oregon States are going to become t- completely irrelevant, uh, in that time frame, right? Could we be get in a situation where there's, say, you know, 32, 36 upper division teams, and then everybody else is a second division, and there's, you know, there's promotion and relegation, which I think a lot of fans would probably dig. Uh, be awesome. You know, I, I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there, but I don't know that that's going to happen in the media. You know, the media contract cycles are kind of what dictates all the changes. And we're entering a media contract cycle that's going to last until the early 2030s. So I can't imagine we're going to get anything before then. And then it could be a whole nother cycle, late 2030s before we, we reach that point. But, you know, I mean, the bottom line is, the top 15, 18 football brands 
subsidize the rest of the Power Five. The Power Five subsidizes the rest of the FBS. The FBS subsidizes Division One. Division One sub- subsidizes two and three. So really, you got a handful of schools, dozen and a half schools that that are dictating everything. And eventually, they're gonna want they're gonna stop sharing completely. Now, I don't know when we'll get to that point. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of been the the part of this process that's been very, you know, it, it's so interesting to cover all of realignment, but I, I think that's the one worry I have is just where are we headed with all this? I mean, what is what is the eventual end game of all of this? You think about, you know, those top schools playing together. I mean, we just expanded the playoff. It's ironic, right? We just expanded the playoff, but in the midst of that expansion, we've got OU and Texas leaving to go to the SEC. And there is this, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like almost life, but there's a wealth gap being created, right? I mean, sure. I, I think about this all the time. It's it's crazy to me. Purdue and Indiana are about to hook in like $80 million a year, which is just, it's just, it's absurd, right? I mean, and you could say, you know, take TCU, for example. I mean, TCU's football program is as a whole, you know, it's probably better, it is better than Indiana's. But Indiana's going to be raking in, I mean, basically double, you know, and double and then some. Uh, you know, from a TV contract, Indiana athletics are, and it just kind of makes you question, like, where, where are we actually headed with all of it? Well, I mean, we're headed where the TV, the, the TV networks, the media networks say, say we're headed right, right. there. I, I've taken a lot of heat for writing about this. Uh, some of it from the people at the networks themselves, but they're, they're dictating everything, right? I mean, the conferences and the schools are the chess pieces and, and Fox and ESPN are basically the grandmasters here. Now we'll see if somebody yes. else, enters the fray, like NBC and CBS, you know, they're kind of uh, watching their, they got front row seats, but it's really about Fox and ESPN. ESPN's got the SEC. Fox has got the big 10 ESPN and SEC go to 16 Fox and the Fox and the big 10 counter to go to 16. So we'll, we'll see what's next, but you know, the system, the NCAA's economic system is, is set up to basically force the schools to chase the media money because I mean, it title nine is a bit is, is a main uh, driver in the whole thing. And as great as title nine is and has been for 51 years, the fact that football is included in the calculation has set the athletic department budgets down a path where they have to chase the media money. That's that's kind of where it is. If football weren't included in Title IX, everything would look a lot different, and it's possible we wouldn't see the mad dash for cash that we we see every few years. So when it comes to the Pac-12, the conference that you are obviously most familiar with, you do great work over with the Mercury News covering this. Where are we? Who are the who are the players involved when it comes to the TV side? You know, obviously that's the best of you know best of your knowledge and whatever, and these things change all the time, whatnot, but. Who are the players involved? You know, where are we in the process? Because I think this is um, this is kind of a big question, and I also don't think a lot of folks know, right? I don't think a lot of folks know. There's a lot of people kind of you know go in these places, go on YouTube and whatnot, and there's a lot of folks like me trying to read the best we can. But you know, it's it's difficult to find really where the truth lies with some of these things. So where are we right now, and kind of uh, what's your best read on the situation for the pack? Yeah, well, the biggest thing, and you touched on it, is that the the circle of people who really know what's going on is incredibly small. And actually, the Pac-12 has done an unbelievable job of preventing leaks. And that has, in some regards, backfired 
because yes. it's taken 11 months there and there's no leaks. So that vacuum has been filled with a lot of speculation and rumor that has, you know, been uh, poor, generated poor PR for the conference. Um, but they have done a remarkable job. And so the, the most important thing in trying to understand the situation is knowing what you don't know. And I'll fully admit, I don't know a lot of the specifics. Uh, but I have to imagine that July 21st is the unofficial deadline. That's when they have Pac-12 football uh, preseason media event, Las Vegas. And, you know, the conference is heading into the most anticipated season it's had in years. They got there's going to be five or six teams in the AP preseason poll. They got a bunch of Heisman contenders, the reigning Heisman winner, a bunch of playoff hopefuls. They haven't had a season like this in forever. And the last thing they want to do is have their their primary marketing platform for the season swallowed up by talk of realignment. And, you know, if the commissioner gets up there and there's no media deal, the first question isn't going to be about, hey, can USC get to the playoff or, you know, can Michael Penix Jr. win the Heisman? The first question is going to be, is the conference going to survive? And that would be a PR nightmare. And I think the schools are uh, would be very, very upset with the commissioner if it got to that point. And so to me, they got to have this thing done by July 21st. So it's not an issue in Las Vegas. So to me, the first shoe to drop feels like San Diego State because of that really natural deadline, right? The, the July 1st deadline for them of basically, you know, the exit fee for them doubling out of the Mountain West. I mean, do you, do you, you know, if you disagree, please let me know. But, but, that has been something that's been discussed so much. I mean, do you think that there is a chance that they could still get San Diego state even after that? Because it always, you know, people say, Oh, it doubles. Without. I mean, there is always a number. There is always a number that, that, that a conference and this, you know, school could find to, to pay the exit. But I mean, I, I feel like that jump from, from 16 and a half, whatever it is to about 34 is, is significant. So is it the first shoe to drop or do you feel like it's not, you know, we're kind of making a bigger deal out of this than, actually is well i think the first thing is they got to agree on a media deal it's re there's really three planes they're trying to land and they're trying to land them as close together as they can the media deal the grant of rights which is what the president signed and then right. the expansion piece and uh ideally uh for them they would have it all taken care of at once before uh that deadline is uh comes up on june 30th i don't know that that's going to happen my guess is that there's going to be a deal the first 10 days of 10 days of 14 days of, of July. So we'll see. And San Diego state, uh, they, you know, they've said they can't afford to pay it, that extra money, but you know what? My guess is they'll find a way to pay it or they'll hammer it. The lawyers are hammered down with, with the mountain West. Every other exit fee has been negotiated down. The AAC had a bunch of that happen. Right. So uh, San Diego state cannot turn down the opportunity to join the PAC 12, and if that opportunity comes July 11th instead of June 30th, uh, they'll they'll find a way. It's just going to cost them a bit more, because right? I mean, if you're the Mountain West, you're you're negotiating off the high mark, right? Like, yeah, you're why not going to budge if you're in the Mountain West. I mean, why and, why would you give them an out? There's no reason to give them no, an out. No, there's no reason, and and it, it may cost them more, and they'll have to find a way to pay it. You know? Yeah. And, but you uh, think they would because because their desire to join the pack? The pack I have so to think so. I mean, I can't believe they they turn them down. You know, they take out a loan, right. or the university yeah. comes up with money. Uh, they'll, they'll find a way. Now, I don't think that it'll be 34. Uh, I don't think it's a question of 17 versus 34. 
Right. It's, it's, it's obviously it's, somewhere it's, in the middle. It's probably yeah. 17 versus 24, 26. I don't know. We'll see. Lawyers can do amazing things. Um, and so yeah, that, that's one part of it too. Obviously there is the, the desire for, but when it comes to the, you know, you mentioned the grant of rights and this is, is something that, you know, I, there's been a, a decent amount of reporting on, on this grant of rights that's been out there. Do you think one of the big challenge and still a challenge is that everybody's kind of wants and desires are a bit different. I mean, what everybody is amenable to, you know, I think people kind of view Oregon state and Washington state as in, uh, you know, positions of, lesser power when it comes to an Oregon and Washington, two of the more desirable brands and kind of what also Oregon and Washington need. I mean, those are the two schools that have represented the PAC 12 in the college ball playoff. And I think, you know, what they need and want to continue to compete at that high level and potentially contend for a playoff uh, victory is, is a bit more than, you know, what, what a uh, Washington state and Oregon state need. Do you think those kind of differences are the big challenges when, you know, you, you compare to a big 12, like, because they've been rated already, kind of everybody's on a pretty similar playing field. The wants, needs, and desires are more aligned because they've already, you know, that the top schools have already been taken out per se. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that they've already hammered that stuff out. I mean, my understanding right. is the presidents have agreed verbally exactly. to a grant of rights. Um, and so they have come to some kind of middle ground on that, you know, all the schools with all their different priorities. Uh, but I really think, look, Oregon and Washington don't have anywhere to go, go, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing. The Big Ten is not – the Big Ten hasn't even signed their media deal. They're not going to expand. Oregon and Washington have no place to go. So if Oregon and Washington are in, that makes – I think that makes decisions easier for a lot of schools, right? Because then you know Oregon State and Washington State are in. Count Stanford don't have any place to go, so they're six. So now you got those other four schools. You know, are they better off in a 10- or 12-team Pac-12? Are they better off in a – 16 team big 12. Well, I mean, I would argue that for playoff access, you're much better off in the pac 12, right? Right. So the, they're going to have a, I'm, I am pretty sure they're going to have unequal share of playoff revenue. So if you make it, you're going to get, I don't know, 50, 25% of the, of that massive war chest that comes with a playoff bid, but they're going to keep the, I don't think the, the tier one, the, the regular season TV money, that is going to be split evenly. The postseason money, mm -hmm. I think, is going to be on a, you know, eat what you kill, so to speak. So I, I think the presidents are, are probably pretty comfortable with the whole thing. They haven't signed the deal, obviously, because they don't know what the media, they don't know the final terms of the media contract. But uh, I think the people are making a little bit too much of the, of the potential for conflict within the grant of rights uh, because they're way down that road, way down that road. And university presidents, you know, they look at things differently than you and I and other media members and fans do. You know, if they've taken the time to agree uh, verbally on a grant of rights, I don't think anybody's going to go back at the last minute and say, you know what, Let, we right. got to blow this thing up. I'm going to, I'm going to flex my muscles. I, I just don't think the university president think like that. Do you have any sense of, you know, you mentioned the money side of thing. Do you have any sense of what the, the dollar range? I mean, I, <laughs> once again, I, you mentioned very, very small, and we understand, but have you gotten a sense at all what the dollar figure range being talked about? The reason why I ask this, the reason why I say this is because the one thing that I have noticed with presidents that to me has felt strange, and I've, I've tried to ask as many folks about this, is the idea that there's no hard numbers yet. Because it feels like a very long time to have waited without hard, hard. Now, if you're saying we don't have hard numbers, that 
that does raise some doubt in my mind about where you are in the process because fine hard numbers. Right. Well, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm wondering, right? So because we see the comment, I, mean, I think it was Michael Crow who said hard numbers. I forget who it was last week or whenever it was recently, but saying, well, you know, we're pretty confident in the hard number. It might have been Shells uh, from Washington State. But what is like what is what is hard numbers and why you know. I feel like at this point in time, you kind of have an idea of what your range is. Like, they're- yes, they're not going to go. They're not going to agree to a, the details of a grant of rights contract with no idea what the media piece is going to be. Right now, I don't think they have been presented with a formal offer. Right, and so you could say, well, we haven't seen hard numbers, meaning we haven't seen the formal offer. But to think that they don't have a, a real good idea of what right. the what the framework of the deal is, uh, I, I think that that's, I think that, I think that's wrong. I think they do. And they're just choosing their words very carefully uh, when they divulge what they do and do not know. So why, so why do they continue to set deadlines in? Because that, that was my, that's my read on this is that <clears throat> you, you all know what the numbers are. There's no way you can be sitting there this long and, and not know, like you said, agree to the grant of rights without knowing kind of what the ballpark is, what the range so your, your kind of question is, all right, if we know and there's really no way that it can you know, get much larger or go down much more in the other way, what is the holdup with making this thing happen? Well, I mean, the holdup could be a couple of things. It could be that their network partners have asked for a delay for any number of reasons, potentially because they had some economic issues they had to deal with. Uh, it could be that they're still negotiating, but they could be mm-hmm. negotiating over which network has the first pick in week four or, you know, how much is this is the tier two rights worth to network A versus network B. I mean, it doesn't mean that they don't have the outline of a deal that is made the presidents feel comfortable enough to move ahead with the grant of rights. It could be, it could be any number of things. It is possible uh, that they, you know, that they have agreed to this thing months ago. The framework of a deal months ago, but they just had to put everything on hold. It could be that they're trying to squeeze San Diego State and SMU with their deadlines to, to drive down either the, uh, you know, the revenue share or some other piece of that, that issue. It could be any number of things uh, that are holding it up. So is it your sense that is your belief that those are the things holding it up? Not a, <clears throat> you know, we're trying to find, still trying to find partners. No, I don't think the they're right combination. They're, they're not flailing around on the market trying to drum up business. I do not believe right. that at all. So you think they have a pretty good idea? Well, a pretty good idea. Like you think they probably know where it's going to be and who's going to be involved. It's just a matter of placing placement. Yeah, that's my guess. And I, I would that's be surprised. I thought all along, the the best, the most likely scenario is they're within ten percent either way of the big the Big Twelve, right? Financially. And, and, you know, no school is going to leave for one conference, one conference for another for a million bucks or two million bucks a year, right? That's marginal money. So there'll be somewhere, you know, very high 20s to, uh, you know, low to mid 30s is my guess. So you think it's high 20s, low 30s? It's right there in the big 12 range? Somewhere in that range, yeah. Now, do you feel like there is, because, you know, I think we saw this with ESPN with the layoffs and whatnot. And I, I, I do have a sense a little bit that there has been somewhat of a, of a bubble that, that, that popped a little bit with TV. I mean, I, I think I was listening to, I, you know, I'm a pretty big entertainment fan. 
the number of television shows that were greenlit in 2021 and the, kind of the 2021-2022 range is unbelievable. The number of, uh, of pilot episodes that we saw in television shows was unreal. Do you think that maybe the Pac-12 got caught? And I think it's not their fault, actually. They were caught a little bit in the wrong time to be negotiating. We saw the layoffs that ESPN is doing. And I know there's been some reporting about them stepping back from some folks like Andrew Martian. I'm not sure if you've heard anything separate from that. Um, but do you think maybe there's, a, there's an element of also they kind of got caught in the wrong time? And maybe some of these companies are no longer shelling out cash the way they were for hey, any television show or any live sport we can get our hands on, that that's maybe affected them a bit too? You know, I think that there's, you can look at that for a whole different, a whole different variety of ways, right? Maybe they were in a wrong time or are in a wrong time. And if so, it's because of forces outside their control or within their control. You could argue they should have gotten a deal done in September, right? Or they should have, they could have gone all in with ESPN for, 35 million a school in, in, in September or October. I don't know. I don't know if that deal was there, but, but that's a question, a valid question to ask. Uh, you could also argue that, and I think that they would make the case that they are as the only power five conference with t football rights available, they're in a good position because if you want uh, major college football in the next seven years, you've only got one place to go. And that place is the PAC 12, that has, you know, what is it, five of the top 20, 25 media markets in the country. And if you add SMU, then it's six of the top 25. You know, so they would, they might make the case that they're in a good position as the only one available. I don't know. We'll see. The answer will become clear when, when we see the numbers and when the, you know, we get some, some details on the negotiating process. Uh, I'll ask you one more thing before we get out of here. This is kind of a general question. And I, and, um, you know, it applies differently to different schools, but we just saw TCU make the championship game last year and get just absolutely steamrolled by Georgia. Uh, they did. They did beat Michigan, right? That is something you know to to be credited there. And I've talked with a lot of folks, uh, my old buddy Spencer McLaughlin at Locked On Pac-12 and some other Pac-12 people. You know, the idea of our like we're kind of in this. You know, I know a lot of fans have been against each other, or whatever. Uh, the idea though of what what do these schools have to do to bridge the gap? Now, Oregon feels like they're in their own category, right? Because they're just. I mean, they are. They are Nike's college football school, right? There is something a little bit different about the Oregon Ducks. Um, but still, they have, they have a problem that a lot of these schools have in the line of scrimmage, right? That, that, is a, that is a bridge too far. We've seen it, whether it's Kansas State, Alabama, whether it's Georgia, Georgia versus Oregon, or Georgia versus TCU, right? We, we book into the year with two ass kickings, uh, one a Pac-12 and one a Big 12. I mean, what do these schools have to do? Is it a Clemson model? You think that they can get the job done? Uh, what do you think these schools need to do to try and bridge the gap? Because with the expanded CFP, John, it's no longer one or two games. I mean, in TCU's case last year, they would have had to win three to get to a championship game, uh, you know, let alone just win one to get there. They'd have to win three. And same thing goes for, you know, a, a second Pac-12 school if they were to get in. Yeah, I mean, I think that oh, there's a lot of schools in that. It's not just Oregon and, the, and Washington and all that. Oklahoma's in that same view. I mean, look what's happened yeah, to Oklahoma right, right. in the playoff, right? I yeah, mean, three times, right? There's like five schools, right? Clemson, uh, uh, Ohio State, uh, Georgia, Alabama. Alabama. And that's basically LSU, right? LSU yeah. on, you know, good on the, on the occasion, up. right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, to me, the, the root of it is the offensive and defensive line, especially the defensive line, right? There's only 
so many elite 300 pound defensive tackles out there. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they have most of them, right? So uh, I, I think that the you know, USC's got the same problem, right? Michigan, oh my got, God. they lost to the team that lost by 50 points, right? So uh, I, I think that the gap, I don't know that that gap's going to go anywhere, but I also think that it's basically five schools and then 60 others in the Power Five. Mm. It's not like there's 10 or 12 on the top tier for the ch- title that everybody's chasing. It's like four or five of them, and, and everybody else is in the same position. We don't have enough linemen. Yeah, it's just also more the sense though too that, that you know <coughs> as kind of as kind of these schools are tra- like Oklahoma and Texas are transitioning out of the Big Twelve and USC and UCLA, which and I'm not saying those schools had it, but now that these schools are kind of more isolated, right? They're kind of on their own and they are looking up at at the other conferences financially and also looking at those top top teams in terms of talent. More like is there is there a way to do it? Because look, John, I'm not saying you had to find one, but I have not found one yet. Uh, I have not found the way you bridge the gap. I mean, I, I think it might be just as simple as you put it, but if there was a way to do it, is it the Clemson model? I feel like that's kind of the. Well, yeah, the but the thing is Clemson, it. look at Clemson's, the way Clemson did it was with defensive linemen who ended up in first right, day. Dude, all, drafted, a ton right? of them who were all NFL players. Yeah. The Pac-12 does not have very many of those guys in its footprint. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of this is a demographic issue. Right. Yeah. You look at those guys and the vast majority of them are in the southeast. The SEC is basically sitting on the gold mine for winning the national title. And, you know, how can the other schools uh, recruit enough of those guys, lure them out of the SEC, find one or two here, you know, in Texas or California and patch together a, a lineup that could win a game on any given day? Maybe. But, uh, you know, a lot of this is just the way the the demographics have shifted in our nation over the last 20, 30 years and the way the resources have shifted uh, in the last 10 years in college football. And then uh, one, one other final thing. Uh, Why do you think the, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of this. Why do you think there's such animosity between the big 12 people, the pac 12 people? Cause it just, the one thing I've never really understood about all this. And I, I wish folks understand it is, you know, if you're an Oklahoma state fan, there are people who are Washington State fans who are just like you, man. All they want to do is just watch their team, be able to compete every single Saturday, every basketball game, and just have a chance to you know compete at the highest level. The animosity between people is really, I shouldn't say it surprised me because that's college sports for you. It's very, very tribal. But this has been something that I did not anticipate with, with kind of the, it's not just intrigue. There is there is legitimate animosity. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. One is uh, Big 12 fans have gone through a lot in the last, 10, 15 years, right? And they're finally feeling good about their conference, and they look at the Pac-12 and they go, well, you didn't think we were good enough to join your league, but now we're in good position. So, uh, you know, they're they're feeling good. Also, I think it's also a very small percentage of fans. It's just the ones you see on Twitter that are on Twitter all the time and attacking people. You know, Twitter's like a sports bar, right? You'll walk in and people just start yelling at you. So, uh, I don't think it's representative necessarily of the, the broad base of the two, the two fan groups. It's just, uh, you know, a couple dozen people really on Twitter that are, that are doing it. Well, so. you know, as, I'm not sure how much stuff you all do on, on YouTube. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's a lot. We have a lot of it on YouTube. And, and it is some of the same folks, but I will say it is more than I expected. I mean, you get, you get new folks popping up kind of every day 
sharing that same sentiment. And you are right about Twitter. You're very correct about Twitter, but it, you know, I just, I didn't expect it to be, to be this much, but I do think you're right about the big 12 fans. You know, I think there is a little, there is some resentment there, obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but is it new guys or is it the same guy in the Rio Grande Valley with 37 different <laughs> YouTube sign-ins? It could just, be, That's, you know, it's a lot of work to do for a, for a show to get a couple thousand views. Based on what I see, uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of time on their hands based on what they're doing on Twitter. It is remarkable. Fair. But you know uh, what, John, this, is all, this is college football and nothing, there's nothing that drives passion like realignment and, uh, you know, it's part of the machinery. Yeah, it is. Uh, John, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yeah, that Pac12Hotline.com uh, is the, the website. The Bay Area News Group is the uh, the mothership. And I, Wilner Hotline on Twitter. Appreciate very much you having me on. Thank you, John. Appreciate it so much. Nobody covers Pac12 quite like John Wilner. Make sure you guys check him out.